Welcome to episode 15 of the Coalition 936 podcast, coming together for a better community. I am J.P. Heath, your host. The Coalition is a 501c3 community-based coalition in Lufkin, Texas, and uh, we serve the great Texas forest country. We are centered on creating environmental changes in our community. With this broader focus, we can make lasting changes that will affect the larger population as well as future generations. That's our mission statement. Our guest today is Kim Simmons. Uh, I have known her for as long as I've been in prevention. That's about a dozen years or so. And I'm biased because I conducted the interview, but it's a great talk. It gives you a scope of not only good info for parents going back to school, but also just the prevention field as a whole. Uh, There are two sponsors I'd like to mention, CHI St. Luke's Health Memorial. They are platinum sponsors here at the Coalition, uh, working with CHI to make our community healthier, especially in the area of tobacco use. And we appreciate Dr. Sid Roberts, who you've heard from uh, in the past a couple of episodes ago. That was a wonderful episode. Again, I'm a little biased, but uh, we also appreciate Dr. Uh, Tina Alexander-Sellers for uh, her longtime support, and thanks to board member Brianna Murphy as well. Also, a great thank you to Regional Physical Therapy for their support of prevention. They're a bronze sponsor, they're a longtime sponsor of the coalition, and a member of our Drug-Free Business Partnership. A quick tidbit that if you know someone that has said they want to quit smoking, project-quit.org is a great site to help them on their quit journey. We can get them in a class ASAP. Also, go to the Project uh, Quit Facebook page. Here's my chat with Kim Simmons, the Director of Prevention at the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council of Deep East Texas. Enjoy. Good day, ma'am. How are you? <laughs> Hi, JP. How are you? Outstanding, a former uh, co-worker and uh, just uh, an all-around good friend, and uh, we have uh, go back quite some time, so this will, we filled time with a lot of other conversations, so this should be a a piece of cake, right? This one will be easy, just talking, just talking. So give us the scope, because when when I start with a different guest, I never assume anybody watching or listening knows anything about the, the field we're in or much less the specific job duties we have. So kind of tell us what ADAC is and uh, specifically your work and how that branches off, just the, the programs that y'all serve, uh, the many, many counties in our Texas forest country. Well, ADAC does have uh, quite a spectrum. And um, what I mean by that on that spectrum of care is that we start with everything, what we call the littles. And that's starting with uh, pre-K three and four, believe it or not. And uh, JP knows that, that uh, it'd be nice if we didn't have to repeat information or tell these kids more than one time what's going on and what they need to do. But uh, kids are very impressionable at that age and they also begin to learn and absorb real quickly. So we start as early as the, like I said, pre-K three and four with some of the education tactics, just from everything about uh, healthy choices and living and not taking medication from strangers to, um, talking to them about the importance of hygiene and just caring for your body and yourself, because that all spills over into the substance abuse realm from the pre-K three-year-olds and four-year-olds. We move into some of the curriculum base under our prevention realm. And those would be going into our school age, starting with kinder through third, third through fifth, all the way up through high school. And that's using state approved curriculum to reach kiddos on more of a daily basis. 
then we have um, an intervention program. That's new. Uh, that's something that JP came along after you left. ADAC has always been the prevention side and then the treatment side. And now we have an intervention component, which is uh, a super great addition. We have the, the Padres program. And um, if you'll remember our old uh, former employee again, so the circle of life comes back around, Valley Cross, who was with us and uh, left the field for a while, but came back, Valley um, is running that program. And that is reaching some of our men and women who are experiencing some substance abuse related issues in their families. And so it's a true intervention piece. What's nice about that is that these um, staff have been able to reach these families and they're doing some uh, some really good work with connecting with them and case management with them. And it's not just delivering the material or setting the planting the seed and setting the pace with them, but actually getting involved with what their everyday needs are and uh, actually being able to transport them to places and do some fun activities and uh, rebuild families for them. And um, then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is the treatment end. And that is for our adults and our youth who may be experiencing more than just um, use or uh, first time use. And they found themselves in addiction and need help with that. And we have counselors set aside that can help with that. And we have recovery coaches that are now pulling alongside them to aid in their treatment and make that a more successful transition. But just in general, wanted to get to uh, <clears throat> back to school tips, like with uh, most schools already going back uh, by the time as we're recording this, what are some overall back to school tips for parents? Um, because I'm sure that's most of the audience that's, that's watching and listening, just kind of easing into the uh, school year again, any, any from the prevention side that you can give them? Well, I think with our with our adults um, who are having school age children, one of the biggest things to do is talk and communicate. We have um, we know that parents are the biggest deterrent. And so a parent who's disapproving of drug use tends to be one of the best reasons for kids not to use. My parents will kill me is still a great excuse for kids not to use. So the biggest thing is talking with kids. A lot of times parents think it's too early. Or maybe I shouldn't talk to my kid or I don't want to implant that idea in them. We understand it's a delicate balance with that, but find that balance. Don't just avoid it because it is not. Um, statistics are everywhere, everywhere. And that is one statistic that has not wavered throughout the many years of me being here at ADAC that I've ever seen. And that is that if you take time with those kids and parents who talk to their kids, kids are more apt to come to their parents for things and for that input. So um, particularly coming off of our COVID scenario that we're in, right? These kids have been at home. And so their exposure has been at home or down the street. Now they're going back to a school setting. So parents need to realize that we as parents have got to ramp up, not just our education game again, but we've got to ramp up our, um, our parent game here. And we've got to realize they're about to be exposed to many more kids every day. Um, if there was a drug-free school out there, I'd have my kid in it. The reality is there every there's drugs everywhere in every community. And we've got to begin that conversation with our kids to say, what is it that you do know? And what are your fears? And that's a real safe way to start that conversation with your kiddo. Just ask them, what are you hearing at school? And what do you think? Or what do you know? Or what do you want to know about? And let them tell you. 
that's an easy way for us not to give them too much information, but just to hear from them, maybe some of the things they're hearing. And then as parents, we've got to put on our best game face because we don't, uh, when they tell us something where maybe we're not prepared to hear, or we think, wow, I had no idea they were hearing that. Um, we kind of got to get our poker face on and say, okay, let's talk about that. Um, and then we would secretly call our friend or our spouse and say, oh, my goodness, let me tell you. Can you believe this? Yeah. Can you believe this one? Um, we also have to realize that these kids, even at a very, very young age, they're exposed to a lot of uh, social media and our blessing of the Internet in the World Wide Web. And um, while there's so much knowledge and great things there, there's also a lot of negativity and there's a lot of education that goes on there. So we're that's what we're up against as parents. I mean, I'm speaking as a parent right now. That's what we're up against with these, uh, with our kiddos. And so we've got to be, we've got to be up with them on these things. And we've got to ask them all the questions and start prompting that discussion. Um, if we prompt that discussion now when there's not a problem or when they're just curious and they want to know, they're more likely to have that discussion with us later when it may be something a little bit more critical. Alcohol at the home. And you mentioned about COVID. I'm just wondering, have you seen or do you know any local data? Because y'all farm a lot of data too. like just what message to parents that, that do have alcohol at home? Because I know that's probably one of the substance trends that is is staying steady over the years since we were in high school that kids are underage drinking. So how do you handle that with alcohol and underage drinking? But th this time where a lot of more people are at home. So uh, I guess several prongs question yeah. there and what you said. Um, one thing, how do we handle that at home is the awareness. You've got to know um, if you choose to have it. We're not trying to go in and, and mandate and deal with adults drinking. Uh, once you become of legal age and you're using a legal substance in your home, that's that's a choice. And that's a mm -hmm. that's a um, something that adults do. We've got enough um, that we can tackle with prevention with these kiddos. But with adults, if we could tell you to monitor the alcohol that's within your home. So if you have a liquor cabinet or you keep alcohol products in your refrigerator, keep um, keep an eye. And if you notice that, if you start noticing that there's more missing, if you start noticing that uh, bottles are moved around or things look different, um, there's got to be an accountability. Much like anything that a, that a kid, um, an underage person could get to that could be of some danger in your home. We don't think twice about, oh, my goodness, put up a, a rat poison or something that could get to a kid. We don't think twice about being cautious with guns in our home. Mm -hmm. But we sometimes will take a legal substance like alcohol and we leave that very uh, frivolously laying around or we put that in the hands of them without even thinking about the danger of that. We do know, like with anything, the earlier you start at something, the better you are at it. Parents understand this from an education standpoint. We don't wait until their your junior year in high school to start prepping their minds for college. Um, I know here in East Texas, and you can appreciate this one, JP, little sports guy here. You cannot start somebody their senior year and hope that they acquire the skills they need to be a college athlete or to go on and do something. I mean, we're, we've got our kids prepped and starting at five years old, headed into AAU leagues and going to these training camps and all these kinds of things very, very young. We now look at 10 year old kids and think, oh, if they haven't started, then they're behind the curve. Well, you've got to think in the um, with parents, 
We need to think in the same capacity. We've got to train them now and we've got to get them used to um, what we expect of them. And then you've also got to think in the same concept. If you begin to teach them early with education and with sports, we know the earlier somebody starts at something, the better they are at it. And I hate to use that analogy in thinking of it, but the, if for a parent in your mind, think of that. The earlier a child starts using substances, the more likely they are to be good at that. They're going to build a tolerance to that. They're going to know how to hide it. They're going to do all the things. Statistics tell us that if we can keep a child from drinking until they're 18, until they're 21, until they're 25, you'll see those percentages start going down, 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 down. If you've got a child that starts drinking at 12 and 14, the likelihood that they will continue to drink or develop problematic drinking is higher than those kids that we can sustain and keep from drinking at a, at a later age. So I would tell parents on that pronged question you asked one be aware of the alcohol that's at home and two be aware with covid um we're seeing some light right now at the tunnel you know that schools are ramping back up and we're doing things but kids have spent a lot of time at home and um should we continue in this trend and we go back to any kind of virtual status our kids are spending more time back quarantined or isolated at home then those are times parents have to uh, put their guards up a little more they're not at school eight hours a day where there's not access to that. Now they're sitting at home and they're looking at challenges that are online. They're looking at what friends are doing and they're uh, you're dealing with kids being bored, kids being willing to experiment, all kinds of issues that come into play that aren't in play when they're in school all day. Yeah. Isn't the most recent data 15? I think even with the vaping numbers, I remember, and then alcohol, the average age of use still initiation is 15. That's why vaping has been so alarming that that local data from what I remember. I mean, so I, I don't I'm not going to challenge you on that. For some reason, JP, 12 is sticking out with alcohol in some minds, mm. but that may be the national level. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So for parents who are looking at, well, my kids aren't even 16. They're not driving around yet. Um, it, it, you need to look at that much earlier. Um, and then some of the average age of first use, we do know 11 and 12 year old range is not too early for that, which blows my mind as a mom of which the girls are older, but um, Miles is 10. And and as a parent, I think, um, no, we're, we're not going to be drinking this next year. And that's not something any parent wants. But the reality of that is um, that you've got some young age of these of kids being exposed or are experimenting with something. So here's one that I know I, I get and got a lot. So I know you know this answer and I can tell you what I said too. But uh, so if a parent drinks or smokes, obviously legal uh, substances, as you mentioned a few answers ago, what, what's a good mention? What's a good message to the kids or a conversation starter like, hey, uh, just because I did it, you shouldn't do it? Is it that mm -hmm. simple? Because there's also different messages there and some just pick up drinking and smoking like their parents, but some don't want anything to do with it. So what's a good message there both ways? Boy, you're trying to get me in trouble, JP. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I um That's a very, that is seriously a very difficult topic because as adults, um, we want to say it is my right and it is my choice to drink. It is my choice to smoke. Um, I'm of legal age. It's a legal substance. And um, those things are true. As an adult, I would say anything that we choose to do in front of our kids, we need to realize that um, it can have an impression in that. 
And so we have to teach them and mold them with that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to different analogies and things that as a parent myself that I look at and I know that kids pick up and, and they see. Uh, for example, you know, if you tell your kid when they're 16 and I don't want you texting and driving and you're a chronic texter and driving and your kid's been in your car with you for 15 years watching you text and drive and rear in somebody and run off the road from it. Or they see that you're sitting at a red light and they're like, mom, go, you're texting. Um, that's an example that we set for our children mm-hmm. and just realize that telling them, hey, I realize I set this and I do this, but you don't do this. Um it doesn't hold as much truth to that. As a parent, we have to stand our ground sometimes to things and say, this is not something that's allowable for you. Um, I do think that, again, the conversation piece and starter. I know in my home with my kids, one of the things that I've done personally to challenge that is I've told them that's a choice that you will have to make one day. I will not always be with you. Um, I won't be at with you once you're 18, 19, 20 and you're at school or living on your own or wherever you may be. But um, I've taught them about rules and boundaries and that there is an age with that. And if you get to be over 21 and that is a choice that you do make to drink, then you will be expected to the consequences and you will do these. I also know that as a parent, um, I've tried to put examples in front of them so that they see and they know some of the dangers of that. And they're very aware of what drinking and driving is and what it causes and what it can create for people. And so um, it's not just the fact of whether they will or they won't, but that they understand the choices and the consequences with that. And um, as a parent, keeping that open line of communication with them, instead of just saying, well, I'm the parent and that's why it's going to be so, tell them why. Because I'm an adult and I am allowed to do that. When you become an adult, it'll be a choice you make, but make sure that they understand the negative benefits of the, of what they're getting into with that. Kim Simmons is the director of prevention at the alcohol and drug abuse council of deep East Texas, shifting gear slightly to, I guess, more on the tobacco realm, but it could be on the alcohol realm, but uh, hidden in plain sight. I understand that that's something y'all have been doing for a little bit. I've seen one of these demonstrations like at a conference, but honestly, I don't know uh, much about it. Explain hidden in, it's, it's tough in an audio medium and and we don't have the, uh, The, the demonstration for our YouTube audience, but just uh, hidden in plain sight. It's pretty amazing in how that educates parents. But, hey, there's a lot of stuff you don't know uh, right. how they can hide different things. Right. Right. It it was a really neat project. One of our staff members saw it and came back to me and said, we need to um, not only get this, but they had great ideas on how to better develop this. And in a nutshell, what hidden in plain sight is, is it is a mock teen bedroom. And what we do is we bring in the material and we set up uh, a bed, some shelves, books laying around, uh, shoes on the floor. It looks as best we can make a teen bedroom look in a conference room and a teacher's lounge and uh, or teacher's work area. And what we then do is have adults only. It is not for kids. Obviously, we don't want to educate them. Um, and we have the adults come through and we it's kind of a challenge. We give them an opportunity to look through this teen room and find all of the paraphernalia or hidden items. And then uh, we talk about those. Um, one of the things that we did pre-COVID then got set up is one of our local high schools. And we had the teachers come in 
you know this, JP, from your wife. Teachers are a competitive group. Yeah. So very competitive. So we set up um, and there were about six rotations of teachers that came in and they decided they were going to name their teams and make it a challenge to see who could find the most hidden items. And so the name of the project hidden in plain sight would be as busy parents. We may walk through our room and say, how's everything going? And we look around the room and it looks like a messy teenager's room with a laptop on the table, on the bed and nothing looks out of sort and out of pocket. And there's drugs everywhere. So there are things that you can purchase online. There are things that you can um, items you can purchase in a store and hollow out and do things with a little bit of adaptation that the kids can do. And it's a perfect place to hide a little bit of weed, um, to put some alcohol in. And it's just another education piece to parents to say, stay on top of things, be aware and take a look at what they have. We um, offer that to businesses who might want to do something for their employers, uh, their employees. And um, we can do it on a school campus and anywhere. We don't do it at community functions or event. Again, for kids to come through and, and see that we don't want to further educate them. Um, but it's just another great tool to reach the community and educate a lot of parents as to what they're dealing with. Um, some of these I think as parents, if we are uh, particularly as our if we're a first time parent or our oldest kid is hitting these years, um, parenting's a hard job and it's it's a, it's an ever changing job and it's one that we get just by having a child and we don't even have to have a prerequisite for it or anything and you get this kiddo and they're yours and good luck and um, it's up to us to stay on top of that and and that's challenging when you're a working parent and. You're trying to do what you can for your kiddos and running around. So we're trying to just do everything we can to educate our parents and keep them armed and ready to talk to these kids so that when when things do come up, they're aware and it doesn't these things don't catch them by surprise. Obviously, for our teachers, um, it's a great tool for even the classroom, even though it's a mock bedroom when they see the, these devices and the things that the, the drugs and alcohol can be hidden in, then they as teachers can look at that in the um, classroom as well. So sticking with the parental theme, I'll turn mm -hmm. it back to you. Like you love me uh, asking those tough questions. Here's an easy one. Um, okay. Since you've been a member of the, uh, the drug, the, the board at the coalition for a long time, and you've had now your second daughter going through the drug free all stars yeah. getting started this school year, yeah. still in, in, going back to miles. And I told Madeline this and she hated hearing it. I told her like seven times, like, I remember you and you were this anyway. Right. But uh, talk from the parents perspective of drug free all stars. And you've got maybe the most unique because you've been on the board too. And now seeing two kiddos go through it, just what you've seen the benefits of drug free all stars and just the, the coalitions kind of role in the community tied with what ADAC's role in the community is there. There's another multi-pronged question for you. Right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say, I am so impressed with um, you didn't ask about this portion, but uh, what Abby did, so Madeline, yes, uh, I have two daughters. One of them is now at SFA and one of them is a senior this year. And when my oldest daughter, Madeline, was a drug-free all-star, it was in the height of COVID and we were at home. And so what Abby was able to do that year, I, I just kept commending her and I commended her at board meetings and I still commend her. She's the um, best, yeah. 
Oh my gosh, the things that she was able to get these kids connected with. I had prepared Madeline, honestly. I said, look, it's a great program. You're not going to get as much benefit out of it this year because there's simply not going to be as much for you guys to do. And I don't know if it was looking for opportunity through COVID, but in my opinion, honestly, I think Madeline had a more enriched um, year than even some of our pre-COVID years because I think a lot of them, when there was opportunity to do, boy, they were clinging on to things to do. And so um, what I saw was the participation was great. Um, As a parent, I love the idea that my children get to see other children from, um, or I should say young adults. They're not, they'll be like, mom, we're not children. (laughs) Um, But did they get to see other young adults from all of these other campus schools that have the same stance as them. And I don't know if, if uh, you community members and we're going to have thousands of people view this. So, um, yes. So all these people are going to view this. If you ever get an opportunity to talk to Abby or Sharon or anybody over there about all stars and hear some of the stories that um, these young people have a passion. Many of them have a, a family member who's used substances. They've had loss in their own family due to substances They've had friends who have lost their lives due to drinking and driving. They have a real reason for choosing not to use or to drink. And I'm so excited for our young people to be involved with programs like the All-Stars because it gives them a platform. It gives them a connection. But also these kids, I I think the world we're living in being unique um, and being accepting of um, where people are and who people are. And it's just making the stigma of this even easier. And I like that because now we can have young people that stand up and say, that's not me. I just don't drink or I don't use drugs. And that's okay. People are okay with other people standing on their own and making their own decision. And it's not as much of a, a large crowd peer pressure type of scenario as I think that we've dealt with. And um, I'm aging myself in old past, but you know, 20, 30 years ago as we were dealing with things. So, um, but the drug-free all-star program is phenomenal at connecting these kids to community opportunities and seeing why it's important and what are the, um, just what ways they can connect in the community and give back to their schools. It's um, honestly, as a parent, I believe it gives so much more than the realm of um the substance abuse in because it, it teaches them service. And I can't say enough good things about the program. I'm um, and having experienced the program as a parent versus being on the board and seeing the program highlighted in um, completely different perspective. Um, and it was a new angle. And I'm so thankful that I've gotten that chance and looking forward to what McKenna is going to do this year. Um, I know Abby's already got them some things on the calendar. So um it's it's a great program well kim you're the best uh we just pick up where we left off and i like you've referenced my other other job for those that don't know in broadcasting and what we have is like demo reels like if you want to do another sport or if you try to get another job so you have just had a great demo reel for y'all's new podcast i think you should host it every week uh and you should put now just uh, but y'all are starting you're, you're starting a podcast i wanted to get a uh, a quick plug there right uh okay thanks yeah i and and so we'll be in touch with you jp for all of that help um 
Um, I before we started today, I, I told uh, JP that um, I was excited to see how it turns out. I don't know about how it's going to turn out, but we have um, we have someone on staff now, Tim Monzingo, who's coming from the more of the media world, and we've we have looked at in the in the past having a podcast, but. Um, it's never, I, I think the the timing and the fit and what we're looking at with our grants and, and media from the state, they are increasing the awareness and cr- increasing the opportunity for us to do that. And so now having Tim on board and him having some background in some of those things, that's something that um, somebody like Tim, who's much more like JP, uh, not myself, if I start running the podcast, you guys run, um, but we are we're excited to be able to to do that and see how that that goes as well. Great talking to you as always. Uh, yeah, keep up the great work and uh, hey, thanks. Uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, JP. A huge thank you to Kim Simmons, the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council Director of Prevention, just down the road from our offices at the Coalition. One other reminder: Project-Quit.org. Great classes continuing here as we uh, knock on the door of fall here soon. There's a Project Quit Facebook page if you're someone you know wants to quit uh, tobacco. Project-quit.org. Again, please subscribe to the podcast. That's a help to us. And we're also on YouTube. If you have any questions for us at the Coalition, 936-634-9308. Have a great day or night. God bless. We'll talk to you next time here on the Coalition 936 Podcast.